on there. All right. Hey, welcome to the Gopher CEO channel, everybody. Thank you again for coming to the community, learning about startups, entrepreneurs, CEOs, founders, people that are making things happen in the world and in America. And today I have a very special guest. Once again, you know, I try to pluck these guys and gals out out of this uh, LinkedIn world, out of other social media spaces, out of commercial, uh, out of uh, referrals, stuff like that. And, you know, this gentleman, Jeremy Bullington is in the true class of entrepreneurship and intrapreneurship. So yes, ladies and gentlemen, this is technically going to be our first intrapreneur as well as entrepreneur sharing with you the marketing, the operations, the, the scaling and how he really thought of himself going from the corporate world. And I won't steal all of his thunder of banking 25 years, making that switch to that entrepreneur mindset and being driven by mindset. So, Hey, don't forget, uh, subscribe, like that channel and like this channel and, uh, you know, leave a comment for Jeremy. I'm sure, I'm sure he'll interact with you, search for him on some of the uh, information I'll, I'll put below, but without further ado, Mr. Jeremy Bullington, how are you, sir? Hey, I'm good. Thanks for having me on. I'm looking forward to this. Awesome. Awesome, Jeremy. Well, thanks so much. We met, uh, obviously through a quick, uh, DM, I got into your DM and, uh, said, Hey, you know, we're connected to similar people. I had Michael reader on and, uh, saw the things that you're doing and, you know, obviously was intrigued because you're, you're truly that entrepreneur, intrapreneur. So we'd like to start with kind of the, your background. Why don't you tell the Gopher CEO community a little bit of who you were, uh, you know, in those corporate worlds and then also who you became over the last, you know, five, 10 years. Yeah, sure. Happy to. And, and uh, yeah, I definitely didn't start life as, a, as an entrepreneur. I, I spent 25 years in uh, in the banking world. Uh, started, grew up in the UK, went to school there, uh, and then got into banking. Worked for one of the big UK banks, uh, Midland Bank, which then became HSBC uh, in London. And then had the the chance in '97 to move to New York. That was supposed to be for three years, and you know what? 20 plus years later, we're still here. Uh, <laughs> And uh, yeah, my wife and I, my, we had two kids at the time, literally a three-year-old and a, and a like six, seven-week-old um, as we moved to New York. So that was kind of crazy. Um, and uh, I think within probably six months of, of landing in, in New York, we, we both said, not sure we see ourselves going back to live and work in the UK. Um, and so, yeah, you know, 20 plus years later, we're still, we're still here. Um, Spent, I mean, my banking career, I was dealing primarily, certainly when I came to the U.S. and, and the whole time in the U.S., uh, was dealing with large sort of Fortune 250, 500 companies, uh, kind of running relationships with them, delivering the, the, the banking firm, kind of coordinating product providers and, and providing services around the world. Uh, and I was with HSBC through the craziness of 2008, um, kind of increasing, you know, responsibilities, ran, ran teams, um, and got headhunted in 2011 by another British bank, Standard Chartered, um, decided that it was time for a change and so made that, made that move, um, and had three great years. I had, uh, my boss was in Singapore. It was sort of 24 seven, you know, you'd, you'd be on conference calls three, four in the morning, because um, nobody cared about what the U.S. guys were doing in terms of time zone, everything. The bank was very Asia-centric. Um, so that was kind of, it was it was fun. I was running basically the North American and Latin American business for them from a client perspective. Uh, and then the bank ran into 
some challenges and uh, everybody at my level pretty much got either their jobs were eliminated or um, you know in, in some cases they found other positions but my job was eliminated and so for the first time in you know 25 plus years I'm like shoot I'm I'm unemployed <laughs> which was a you know we we'd done well financially my my young actually my you know my back to my kids my youngest had just left home uh, for college and so my wife and I have been thinking about you know what what even before anything happened Stan Chart, we were we were thinking about what next and you know do we go and live we'd, we'd always lived in the suburbs of New Jersey I commuted into New York um, and we were thinking about moving into the city um, and then that happened um, and we decided we'd been building a house down in, in Charleston South Carolina and we decided maybe it's time to go you know get out of banking and, and go do something else and I I'd looked you know at what was in the banking world but somehow didn't feel like I wanted to go build another team doing the same doing the same thing and then you know part of that I think I was starting to think that you know life's too short to just kind of go through the motions and do it for the money it was it was you know I started to think more and more about maybe I should you know go and actually experience kind of running you know running a small business start from from scratch and so that led me to, you know, we'd, we'd made pretty much made the decision to move. Um, you know, banking wasn't an option down here. I wasn't going to, I had no background in, you know, the types of banking that you're involved in. And I, I just didn't want to do that here. Uh, and so we started to look for a business and, you know, I looked at what was for sale. There wasn't really anything that, you know, felt, felt sensible. Um, I definitely knew I didn't have enough good ideas or any good ideas to come up with like a business to start myself. Um, and so, you know, that kind of led me to, I guess the, you know, the middle ground of, of, um, of franchising uh, where, you know, let's be clear, you're still starting a business. I mean, there's a ton of risk, um, but you've at least got, you know, kind of a system, you know, support from the franchise or you've got that franchisee community that's, that's, you know, if you find the right system is, is very supportive. Um, and so kind of long story short, we, we looked at a whole bunch of different businesses, ended up um, doing uh, two franchises in the beauty personal care space because I felt that, you know, it was something I could, I could build um, somewhat crazily and I would never recommend it to anybody. We decided to, you know, kind of open these two businesses at the same time. <laughs> because we found, um, you know, we found, you've, you've seen my LinkedIn stuff. I mean, you know, we found a, um, a, a site that, that could accommodate the first locations for each of them uh, side by side. And, and so, you know, build out kind of happened at the same time. I think one business opened one week in February, the other business opened the following weekend. Um, that was crazy. <laughs> And uh, yeah, then since then we've, you know, it's a, been a story of, of building that, you know, navigating through this last crazy 12 months of, well, 10 months of COVID. Um, and then launching a, a consulting business, which obviously I can talk about, you know, separately, but that's probably enough for, in terms of how I got to this, uh, this point. I love it. it you know, and, and the journey is real, right? Uh, so many people, uh, man or woman, journeying oh. through their career, putting in five, 10, 15, 25 years. I mean, that's kind of a rarity as well uh, to hear so, that someone that's stuck around in an industry specifically. Now you, you've done a complete 180 in a sense of industries, right? Uh, from banking to a, a small, more retail uh, business, uh, waxing 
the city and blow, blow dry. And that's in South Carolina, correct? Yeah, we're in, uh, we're in Charleston. Charleston. Okay. Awesome. So, I mean, uh, you know, what a, what a different world. I I bet a little bit, uh, even somewhat humbling. I mean, obviously you were dealing with 250 fortune 500 type companies, you know, probably big boardroom scenarios and, you know, and, and intellectual conversations about, uh, you know, capital ratios and CapEx and, you know, and EBITDA and all these types of things that are banker lingos, right? And, and now you're in this retail shop uh, going in and, and dealing with neighborhood people that need a wax or, or need a blow dry for their cool wedding that they're going to or the, or the night out with their hubby, right? So, stuff like that. so, so it's interesting and, and I appreciate you, you know, sharing that. So tell us a little bit about kind of some of the some of the industries that you narrowed down. So maybe the, the top three industries that you narrowed down and then some of the ways that you literally, you know, realize, okay, how, how do I incorporate, you know, did you get a good accountant? Did you interview a good lawyer? What were some of those dynamics? Yeah, no, good, good question. I think, you know, in terms of the narrowing down, I, I worked with a franchise consultant, um, you know, to kind of, I, it, and I, you know, I did my own research as well, obviously, but, um, you know, kind of going through that element of trying to figure out what are you, you know, what are you, what are you trying to achieve? Um, you know, what, what businesses might achieve those, those goals. Um, and I think I, you know, I was looking for something where, you know, I wasn't going to be kind of the, you know, buried in the business day to day, if that makes sense. Um, you know, and I think there are, there are a number of great businesses out there that are, you know, more sort of like service orientated in terms of, um, you know, kind of you know, a, a team of guys, kind of technicians in trucks, you know, delivering whether it's home services or services to, to businesses. Um, and I just sort of, I, it, it felt like those were going to be much more sales orientated. And I didn't want to be, you know, kind of a sales guy kind of doing that. And so I was sort of leaning more towards finding something where, you know, you're essentially, you know, and I was looking for a model where, you know, I was going to have managers in place, um, you know, that are, that are managing the business day to day and I'm managing the, you know, the managers. Um, and that doesn't mean so you're, you know, you're not understanding the business, but clearly I'm not the one doing the waxing. Trust me, nobody would want, <laughs> nobody would want that happening. Um, but you, you know, you have an under, you, know, you, you need to understand what the underlying product is and the nuances and, and that. But, but I'm not, you know, I'm not managing my estheticians day to day in the waxing business and the same in the blow dry business. But, you know, what you are doing as a, as an owner is, you know, you, you, you need to understand the dynamics of the business. You, you typically you're in those types of businesses, you're very much involved in the marketing side because that's, you know, and a lot of that's obviously, you know, these are B2C businesses. So a lot of that marketing is, is digital. Um, but understanding that, you know, the franchisors typically will have agencies that, you know, kind of work across the franchise, but there's still, you know, lots of decision points to, to be made in terms of, you know, how you're, how you're doing that. So I spent a lot of time, you know, trying to get under the skin of that because that, you know, in those businesses, the, the success parts to it really, I think, uh, you know, uh, you've got to deliver a great service. Um, so that's, you know, having the right team, having that team managed correctly, you know, and setting, you know, setting goals. And then you've got to get customers in. And, and some of those things go together because obviously if the team's providing a great service and experience, you know, the customers are coming in, they're coming back, they're telling their friends. Um, but you've got to get, you know, you've got to get that, that, that marketing piece 
you know, done. And and I you know, definitely spent a lot of time on on that. I think in terms of your question on the um, advisors, um, you know, that was it was kind of interesting. That was probably one of the things that I think about, like transition from the corporate world. It it took me. And if I were doing it again, I'd, I'd probably approach it in a different way now. But um, it definitely took me a while to adjust from, you know, you'd kind of come out of an environment where, you know, you had a big budget, you know, you were dealing with, with you know, billion dollar deals. And, you know, you treated, you treated that as though it was, you know, your money in terms of making decisions. You, were, you know, you weren't frivolous with it. But it was very different when it really was your money. That you're writing the checks for, and I think you know. I one example. I mean, I when I first started out, I um, from a accounting bookkeeping perspective, you know, I I got a couple of recommendations because I was you know I'd moved to a new you know a new city that we didn't know anybody, um, and I ended up working with using one of the bigger firms, local firms in town, and but what I realized over six to nine months after we got you know, rolling and the businesses open was that, heck, this is costing me a lot of money. And is there a better, a cheaper way to do what is, you know, ultimately a very simplified, you know, set of books, because why do I need those? I need them from a tax perspective. Um, yes, I need to know the results of the business, but most of that is coming out of the, the you know, the point of sale um, systems that, that mm -hmm. um, you know, are widely used in, you know, in beauty type businesses, you can run every possible report from a revenue perspective, um, you know, and metrics for the business. Um, so I didn't need a bookkeeping firm to do that stuff for me. Um, I just needed a bookkeeping firm to get me, you know, numbers and, and, and results that were, you know, were acceptable from a tax reporting and, you know, year end P&L perspective. Um, so I, I think it, it took me a while to sort of, you know, dial back and go like, you know what, every dollar counts when it's, you know, your business and, and you're running it and to really sort of dial in on that, that stuff. Probably it was about six months in. I'm like, I gotta, I gotta go cut some cost here and, and, <laughs> and squeeze it a bit. Um, That's awesome. So well, you, is, know, you know, I, you, you go through that transition, you know, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're, you're talking about process, right? Uh, and, you know, making sure that you reconnect the dots. Uh, you know, one, th one area that you mentioned there was, you know, you take a guy like yourself, uh, highly successful in the corporate world, managing teams, you know, probably a, a bit of a, um, not micromanager, but, you know, kind of having a pulse of where everything's going. Like you said, you may have had a billion dollar budget, but you treated it like your own. And now you're on your own with your own money, uh, really trying to detail that. Tell us a little bit about the process of how you started to bring on teammates. Cause you know, I think uh, one of the traps that business owners uh, that go from corporate to entrepreneur is actually that sole proprietor trap, right? Um, mm -hmm. Where you mm -hmm. go from employee of trading hours for dollars, maybe salaried and, and all that good stuff and all the benefits you go to sole proprietor, but then you don't really ever get the business owner like Kiyosaki talks about because you don't know how to form a team, but you had to have teams. So, was there a process of how you interviewed, you know, you're in a new city, you don't know the, the client or you don't know the uh, talent base. Um, what are some things that you share uh, that you can share about that? Yeah, that's good. I mean, I think, you know, it's interesting because it, it definitely evolves, I think, as you, because if you think about it, you're, um, when you're opening a business, particularly the first, you know, your first business, or in my case, two businesses <laughs> at the same time, um, you know, you, 
you don't know. I mean, it's sort of if I reflect on when I'm hiring, when I was hiring in the banking world, I knew exactly what I was looking for because I knew the, you know, I'd kind of come up through that that world. Um, and so, I think, yeah, one of the one of the hard things that out of the gate, I think, for anybody that's you know starting a business, and I think this is one of the, you know, definitely one of the benefits of a franchise versus you know starting a business yourself. Um, is that that you know you've got that sort of you know that guidance in terms of what's what do you you know if you if, if you're a you know if you're a fitness business or a, a beauty business as in my case you know there's a here's a here's the sort of like the the job description for you know a studio manager or a general manager in a fitness um, concept um, and so you've got some guidance on that and I think I leaned you know pretty heavily on that because like what the hell did I know about hiring a, a manager for a for a waxing studio you know I mean and that was you know I, I think when I think what I did on my side was was focused more on you know what was my gut feel for that that individual in terms of um you know that their their their, um, their overall makeup and how did I feel about that that person in terms of the experience they'd had you know the direct sort of relationship. I, I would always, you know, interview somebody, you know, two or three for those first roles. I, I think I, I met um, my studio manager and our waxing business probably three times before I hired her. Um, wow. You know, wanting to kind of really, think, this is somebody that's going to, you know, be really important. Now, the interesting, you know, that was four years ago. She still works for us. Um, so it's kind of, so got that one right. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, probably been through a couple of managers on my blow dry business. So maybe we sort of failed a bit there, but, um, you know, it, it's it is interesting when you when you're putting somebody in positions when when you don't you know kind of wholly understand what that flow is going to be like. And part of it was you know, people always talk about hiring people that are smarter than you. Um, I think in these types of businesses, that's that's a little bit difficult in those you know because those roles are not you know they're not huge roles. But what I was very clear on was I wanted somebody that knew you know the business and the industry. Um, because I knew there was a whole bunch of stuff that, you know, I wasn't necessarily going to know the answers to, but I needed somebody that did. Um, and that was, yeah, I think as I reflect on that, that's, I think what we were, you know, more focused on doing. So were there, were there tools just to go deeper on this subject? I think it's really interesting because, you know, you're talking about a retail type business, uh, in the talent pool that you're needing to get to so that you could step away and write and be the mm-hmm. CEO per se of the business. So was there any um, tools, uh, you know, hiring um, websites? Did you mostly network within the community, your, your contacts? What were some ways that you brought that talent to interview? Yeah, it, was, three times? it was, it was using the, um, the hiring websites out there. I think, I think originally, I think the, um, I think the waxing franchise was using a platform called Hyrology, which was, mm-hmm. you know, kind of, it would, it would speak to the the brand and the culture and, and that. So you didn't have to, you know, build this thing from scratch. There was already, um, you know, kind of a pre-built out, here's what waxing the city is built by the, the franchise or, um, and then it's kind of, you know, it would post ads on Indeed um, and some of the other job boards. And I'd say that's, you know, in that world, um, you know, Indeed is probably now, I mean, that's what we use now. Typically it's, it's the go-to, kind of platform um and it's you know there are, it's it's relatively cost effective i mean you can you know we very rarely will sponsor jobs it's you know we use the free the free version of it and it 
it works most of the nice. time. Nice. So, so you 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 figured back out to that cost. That's back to that cost effectiveness. Sure. <laughs> sure. I mean, you have to, like you said, watch every penny, understand kind of where the dynamics are of how you want to spend. So, so that leads us, I think, a nice transition into, you know, what were some of your approaches? I mean, you open up a retail store, which is one type of business. Uh, you're not necessarily going to places to do your work. Uh, you're waiting for people to walk into your uh, place. Uh, it's called waxing the city and blow, blow dry, right? So, I mean, somewhat apparent i mean if i was driving down the street and i looked over oh okay i can get my waxing i can get my blow you know my wife probably blow blow dry i don't know if men do the blow blow dry stuff but um so what were some techniques some things that you picked up maybe from the corporate world or did you have to just kind of redo it yourself with the franchise model of seo and you know were you networking you know were you just going to um, you know, chambers of commerce and stuff. I like the old school, just, you know, pound the payment yeah. stuff. Tell us a little bit about the marketing side. Yeah, that's, uh, and, you know, I think very little of that came from, from my corporate world because, you know, it was, again, it was just so different to, mm-hmm. to what you were doing then. Um, I think it was, it was a combination of, of, you know, kind of input and insight from the franchisor in terms of the, the digital piece and using, um, you know, using agencies that, that, you know, they, they were partnered with. Um, so that was both, you know, obviously the you know, establishment of your local website, the SEO around that was done, um, you know, by the corporate team. Um, so I didn't have to worry too much about that. Although obviously there are, there are elements around that, you know, Google reviews, Yelp reviews, getting, mm. you know, encouraging customers to, and putting processes in place to have the team kind of, you know, ask, ask customers to give reviews because that obviously helps the, you know, the, the, the ranking. Um, and then, you know, kind of, I, I spent a lot of time trying to understand, you know, Facebook ads, um, pay-per-click, but not, you know, not executing that myself, but feeling like I could actually have a sensible conversation with the, you know, with the digital agencies to kind of, you know, to challenge them on the results and, and how do we optimize it. Uh, and then I think the, you know, the interesting part, so my wife is very involved with the blow-dry business. You know, she would do more of that, Chamber of Commerce stuff. I was I joined the Chamber of Commerce, but a guy sort of you know sitting at the table talking to the lady next to him about her hair. You know, that's kind of that you had to be a little bit careful on some of those conversations. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, I think the the um, you know the other part on the the community side was was you know get, using things like the the chamber to you know kind of the ribbon cutting you know they would do they would do meetings um you know kind of networking meetings we we kind of held some of those at the, the locations um you know working those kind of contacts to you know just to, to get that to get that word out um and then i get you know ultimately those businesses kind of build through you know it's back to what i said earlier about you know kind of making sure you've got a team in place that's delivering you know a great service great product um and and building it that way um, you know, one thing that you you touched on about when you were talking about um, the banking world um, and kind of going from a, you know, a business that, you know, you, you were intellectually challenged every day, you know, all day because of the, you know, the level of, of, of um, you know, clients and, 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 you know, complexity of what you were dealing with. I think that was, you know, one of the reasons I ended up, you know, kind of getting into um, the franchise consulting uh, world was that 
you know, having having built these businesses, having in the case of the blow dry business where I'm I'm also a developer for them, having, you know, sold uh, a number of locations and got those, you know, got those businesses up and running. Um, I was starting to feel that element of okay, so I, you know, have managers in place. I these these things are, you know, yes, there's, there's still there's still work to be done to grow them and to challenge the teams and that, but it wasn't taking a huge amount of my time. And you know, I thought about did I did I look for another franchise um, or do I want to do something different? And I think as I looked at at, at other businesses, what struck me was, you know, what was I you know, what was I missing from, or you know, feel that was there was a gap in what I was doing, and it was that sort of intellectual challenge, I think, um, because I think those you know those retail type business that you know, yes, there's a lot, there's a steep learning curve at the outset, um, mm-hmm. but once you kind of figure it out, then you know, it's it's about execution then, um, and I think that was that was what sort of you know, led me to kind of pivot to say, you know, I think I can take my experiences of, you know, making a transition from the corporate world, being a franchisee, going through that business establishment set up and running and help people that were, you know, kind of looking at that, that similar um, transition. Uh, And at the same time, you know, have that intellectual challenge of, you know, needing to, 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 you know, to get, a much better feel for a very broad range of, of franchise businesses to be able to, you know, help people find the right business. Um, and then secondly, that intellectual challenge of helping, you know, figuring out with an individual what's going to be the right fit, what's the right business. Um, and so, yeah, that's partly what, you know, when I reflect on, you know, I wouldn't say I've gone full circle because it's definitely still very different to, uh, to the banking world. But um, I feel like I've sort of gone back to that, to some extent, to that deal doing um, you know, world that I was in, in the banking world. Well, you, you took that, uh, pendulum swing, right? Uh, you, you exactly. went over here, come all the way back and then kind of have, uh, teetered almost to that middle ground where, uh, it seems like, yeah, you, you rooted yourself back into, all right, well, what drives me? What's the passion, you know, like what, what did I actually really enjoy about that world that I left? And now you've kind of situated your stuff, which is nice. Uh, Go for CEO community. This is literally our first intrapreneur as well. So he went from the corporate world, you know, him and his wife are, are basically empty nesting. Just to recap here, you know, finds a franchise model that he kind of is that middle ground. He didn't want to, you know, start something new that he created. Uh, and his wife, but they found that middle ground of franchising. And now you just shared that incredible story of, you know, how you did it, what you did to open up, what type of scaling, what type of people are you working with? But then the light bulb comes on and goes, you know what, I I need a little bit extra. And now you go to that entrepreneur spirit side, which is using some of the attributes that you had before of that intellectual conversation of understanding how you can kind of lead someone to where they need to go at, at some of the leadership positions that you had. So why don't we dive into that side of things? You know, you've got waxing the city, you've got blow, blow, dry, your wife's kind of managing that as well. And you've, you've systematized some things, you've got some processes going, but now Boom. Now you're an intrapreneur inside of a company. Tell us a little bit about that partnership. Uh, I know that you kind of detailed it as a partner offline. Um, what's going on with that? And what are some attributes that uh, you feel uh, have now added more value to what you're doing? Yeah, sure. Um, so, yeah, so I, I, I started to think about, um, you know, franchise consulting uh, probably 12 months ago, uh, maybe, maybe 12, 15 months ago. 
started to research it. Um, and then as, you know, as the world kind of like ground to a halt in, in February or March, um, you know, our businesses were, were closed by the, by the state, um, you know, kind of late, late March. Um, and so I, I, you know, I think I, I sort of said to myself, you know what, I'm not going to just sit around, I, you know, once I'd figured out PPP and the other government support systems and, and that, then I'm like, I, this, it would be a shame to kind of waste this, you know, this period of time um, and not, you know, do something because once those businesses were, were shuttered and we're just waiting on, you know, kind of when will we, when will we be allowed to reopen? Um, you know, I had a lot of, I had a month and a half of downtime um, and I, I ended up uh, partnering with an existing consultant lady called Jane Stein, who's, who's got a great reputation in the franchise consulting uh, world. And uh, she had, um, a company with uh, known as uh, Your Franchise is Waiting, and so I'm an independent contractor, kind of operating under her umbrella. Um, but it's been it's been a lot of fun. I mean, we're we're what eight nine seven eight months into that now. Um, just learned a ton of stuff in a in a short period of time. I think brought some some interesting things to you know to her as well in terms of how we you know we approach clients how we do things um but it's yeah we're having, having a lot of fun and the pipeline is I, i've used linkedin um extensively you know i've obviously got a big network in the banking world um and then use linkedin also as a, as a lead generation um tool and it's been you know it's been crazy i mean just the, the i think covid i think has you know, in many ways, a little bit like I went through of thinking about what next and using that time. I think, you know, the number of individuals that are working from home, um, you know, I'm primarily, you know, talking to people in the financial services world. Um, I think it's given, you know, either it's given them pause to think, maybe I don't want to continue in this. You know, I'm, I'm actually liking being at home and not being on a plane half of the time. Um, mm. Or, you know, there are people that are thinking, you know what, maybe it's, you know, maybe my goal is to to get out of the banking world in five years' time, but I don't have a, you know, I don't have a plan as to how I'm going to do that. You know, I don't. I yes, I'm building wealth by you know I'm being paid well. You know, I've got a good job, but if I you know if I leave, that stops. You know, and so there are a lot of people that are looking and thinking about other businesses that I can you know, I can, I can get into with the support of a franchise or um, that can be run on a, on a semi-absentee basis, you know, that I can put a manager in place. And that's obviously a, you know, there are a lot of franchises that say that they can be run like that. The key is obviously, you know, finding the ones that, that truly can be run like that and finding and talking to franchisees that have done it in that way and making sure that it, that it works. Um, and we're spending a lot of time helping people, you know, think through that in particular. I think, it, it, you know, COVID has definitely um, spurred a lot of those, those thoughts, I think. You know, it's interesting. Uh, I kind of thought to myself, well, really, there's only a, a couple of ways, right? It's either sweat equity, uh, you leave and you put in that grind and, and you start making things happen and figure it out. Uh, or uh, like you're saying, you know, uh, you know, you've got some money. You've been a professional, kind of like you did, right? Your corporate world, you, you, you know, you were smart about some things with your own finances that allowed you that gap of time, right? So you're completely right. I think over the last year, uh, especially with uh, COVID, Go for CEO community, if you're seeing this a couple of years from now, um, you know, this was 2020. Today, we're in uh, 
2021. But um, certainly a lot of mind shifts, a lot of things that, you know, drove people. So tell us a little bit about kind of how you're operating things now, right? So we like to talk about operations. You know, you're, you're juggling, obviously, the entrepreneurial side, but you've got some leadership and management in place. You've got some good two businesses now running. You've got the entrepreneur side that you now uh, developed that relationship over the nine months. Where's the operations look like? Like, what are you, what yep. are you doing? How, what tools are you using? Yep. No, that's, that's a really good question. If I maybe sort of started by answering, you know, where I spend my time, um, is I would say it's probably 10% of my time on the, you know, the, the actual operational businesses. So that's managing the managers that are, that are in place. Uh, I probably spend 10% of my time supporting uh, my franchisees at Blow. So I've got, um, I've got five people that are, that have open locations. I've got another one that's looking for, um, space right now, but that that that's that universe, um, um, and that you know that obviously varies. I mean, through through COVID, those the, the the time spent there kind of went up as we're you know we're all trying to help each other figure out um, you know PPP and, and other other support programs, um, and then the rest I would say you know it's probably eighty percent of my time on on the, the franchise consulting. Um, and I would say, you know, so thinking about systems there, it's it's all about, um, you know, kind of the, the CRM system, your your system of, of, you know, kind of, you know, what are you what are you doing to to generate leads? A lot of that is is LinkedIn. I use a I use a third party company um, for LinkedIn lead generation. So I'm creating some of the content, but then. Um, that third-party company, and actually, I'm making a I'm making a switch to a new third-party company, partly because I wanted to sort of I, I learned a whole load of stuff from the first one I used. I'm I'm going to going to see how somebody else does it differently, um, and then you know take the best best practices from those. Um, but essentially, they use Sales Navigator um, to connect with with people in my sort of target audience. So again, I'm I'm. I'm, I'm really trying to connect with people in the, the financial services world because I feel like I have, you know, when I speak to somebody there, you know, either my story sort of resonates with them or I can be on the same, you know, wavelength in terms of what they're going through, what they're thinking about. Um, and so that, that kind of runs away in the background. It, it pops up, you know, some, some great contacts and then I jump in and, and um, you know, hopefully get into a conversation with the, with the individual. Uh, so that's kind of the lead generation side that I'm, I'm primarily focused on. Um, and then it's, yeah, it's having that, that efficient, um, you know, CRM system in terms of, um, you know, taking those leads and then having a, you know, somewhat automated system that's, you know, drip campaigns for, for email, um, you know, kind of trigger um, trigger campaigns that if somebody's, you know, if we're actively working with a client, um, you know, where are we in that process and, and kind of having a, you know, a pretty consistent process to, to take them through. Um, so it's kind of, you know, it's, it's pretty simple really. Um, but, uh, you know, it was for me being able to partner with somebody that already had certainly that CRM system in place and, you know, standardized emails that for that, that first contact for the, you know, for the, for the various stages of our pipeline um just made you know getting going on that and and tweaking that a little bit but getting going on that much easier than it would have been if i'd started from you know from scratch 
Interesting. Interesting. Right. And, and you keep on going back to that, right? You're, you're just leaving those little nuggets for the Gover CEO community is, you know, that franchise model, you know, ladies and gentlemen, when you are really uh, researching uh, of where you want to go to how to become a CEO of your life, how to become the CEO of a, of a business entrepreneur founder, you know, sometimes looking at a model that's already existing, you know, it's something there, there's something established and you create those relationships. It could be something very beneficial like it was for Jeremy and his wife. So, so tell us, Jeremy, I mean, you know, as we kind of end the interview, we, we like to always share, you know, the C is for client experience. The E is for employee engagement and the O is for operational excellence. And you've kind of touched on every one of those areas, but I always like to give the guest a, a, a kind of a, a say on, hey, you know, what what makes, uh, you know, maybe your blow, blow, dry and waxing the city model and, and those two businesses, along with your entrepreneur side of things, what, what makes you guys that value proposition the best in the business for client experience? Yep. No, that's, that's a good one. Um, you know, I would say on the, for those, for those two, you know, kind of operational businesses, um, I think it's, it's, it's ultimately the client, you know, the experience that my team is giving the client. I mean, I think, you know, I, we get we get phenomenal reviews. Um, the brand positioning of both of those businesses is, is high end, and to be at the you know the top end of of their relevant um, their their you know, niches in the business in the beauty industry. Um, and I think we I think the team delivers that every you know every day, and we really you know, we really focus on on that in terms of you know if there is a if there is in those odd instances a, a client issue that that. You know, somebody is immediately whether it's in in the case of the blow dry business, it will usually be my wife reaching out. In the place of the waxing business, it'll be my studio manager. Um, you know, reaching out to, to to solve whatever the problem was. So I think that customer experience is just you know, it, it, those businesses live and die based on customer reviews and, and customer feedback. So you have to be focused on that. I think in my um, franchise consulting business it's you know it really what i'm focused on is i'm you know, i'm not trying to sell somebody on a franchise i'm i'm trying to help them find the right business for mm. them um, and the fee model there is i essentially get paid a fee a placement fee by a franchise or if somebody invests in a in a specific franchise um, but that business over time the the most successful consultants are the ones that build that business through referral um, and by that it means you know somebody that I've, I've placed either coming back saying I'm looking for a second business I mean that's the ultimate vote of confidence or you know sending a friend who you know when they tell them hey I found this but I would not have found this business without wow. you know without Jeremy's help mm -hmm. um, because that's the you know the reality is if somebody's looking for a franchise there are 3,000 plus franchises out there, um, you know, where do you start? And so that's really what, what we try to do. So that customer experience is, you know, we're not, we're not trying to sell you on, on a franchise. We're trying to help you find the right fit. And if we feel that you're not going to be a good fit, we do some um, psychometric assessments of our, our customers early, you know, the early stage of, of working with them. And every now and again, it leads us to say that somebody's too entrepreneurial which means they're not going to follow the system because in franchising you you yes you're an entrepreneur but you've got to follow the system because if you don't follow the system what's the point of buying into the franchise but there and there are some people that will not 
will not do that. Their profile says that they're just, you know, it's their way or, or the highway. Um, and we're gonna tell people that, you know, it's like, you, you're just not gonna be a good fit. Or you'll come across something that just, you know, the, the, their profile is at the opposite end of the spectrum, that they, they're probably better off staying in the nine to five job. And, you know, again, we'll, you know, there's, there's no point trying to push a, you know, a round peg into a, what's called, square peg into a round hole, I guess. Yeah, yeah. No, neat. Uh, you know, and it's so true, right? Uh, it's that clarity. Uh, it seems like that client experience, especially on the, on the entrepreneur side with the franchise, you know, being honest, hey, you know, it, it might not be a good fit. And you might actually help that person uh, realize that, you know, okay, hey, I was a little bit off, you know, I don't have what it takes, yeah. or maybe you, you know, you actually clarify for them. So by some of the yeah. testing that you're doing, that's awesome. So, you know, and the other, the other part on that as well, I think one of the things that, you know, that there's, there's obviously a range within the franchise world, you know, if somebody's at, if a franchisor is at an early stage, maybe they got five, 10 locations, you know, mm. that often will, will suit that more entrepreneurial person. Mm. You know, the other end of the spectrum, you've got the franchise or that's got six, seven, eight hundred locations, you know, where it's kind of the system is just baked. You know, this is how we do it. You know, it's like follow the system and you'll be, you know, you should be successful. Mm. Um, and so somebody that's maybe, you know, a little bit more risk averse, um, you know, often they're better off in, in that much more mature system because it's proven um, and it's, you know, it's kind of the roadmap is is much more you know clear and, and, and it's more you know, there's more clarity versus you know that early stage where they're still you know they're still perfecting the model. Yeah, well, and more it, risk, you know? you're not walking up to McDonald's and McDonald's University going, hey, hey, excuse me, can can I put uh, a yeah. Thai? Uh, I'd like to put some Thai chicken in there <laughs> or a spaghetti. That would be good though. That would be good. <laughs> Actually, it might be a, a product that they, they should uh, think about, right? So yeah. uh, the next one is E, right? To employee engagement. And it sounds like you, you put a good team together. Um, you know, I don't know if on the if on the entrepreneur side, franchise side, if you have necessarily a team, because it sounds like you're more independently doing it. But um, tell us a little bit about, you know, what's the culture? What, what are you doing that's a, a value proposition to keep your teammates? And, you know, you, you hired this first uh, studio manager. She's still with you four years. What do you do? Mm-hmm. Why, why, why is she staying with you guys? Yeah, I, that's a good question. Um, I, you know, I think um, I think one of the best ways to talk about that is to talk about what happened in, in COVID. I mean, we had to we had to furlough everybody because um, who who the hell knew how long it was going to be? Um, and I think everybody, with one exception, came back when we reopened. Um, you know, and part of what we did was, you know, I, I spent countless hours trying to help um, everybody on the team figure out the South Carolina unemployment claim process. And, you know, I think people were just, you know, it, it just, it, it, I think it, I think it was a good example of like how we tried to, to run, you know, the businesses that, that, you know, kind of, not just you know not just viewing the team as you know hourly employees that that kind of come and go and and there is you know you get you definitely get turnover in both of those businesses but you know we've got kind of core parts of the team that have been there now for you know in, in the case of my manager from the start um there's one esthetician who's been there from the start um you know and and i think it's sort of it, it's trying to build sort of relationships with them sort of showing you care um you know setting them you know, setting, setting goals, setting challenging goals, but, 
you know, also being that that owner that actually you know knows who they are. Um, and I think that's in that type of business, they, in, in a lot of cases, they haven't seen that mm. before. Um, so I think it's you know, and again, it's it's a different. It's not a blue, you know, it's not a white collar environment. It's you know, a lot of the team are kind of living, you know, paycheck to paycheck because they've grown up in you know maybe broken families and things, and it's just. You know, you're dealing with a completely different type of employee from certainly from my banking my banking days. Um, and I think we, you know, we try to have a team, you know, team culture, and and uh, you know, I think generally that's that's proven to be successful. That's fantastic, right? And uh, you know, in the Go for CEO community, we have a slogan. It's called "Driven by Mindset." And to have the ownership that you took in a critical time like COVID and when everything was uncertain. Uh, what a what a great uh, story to tell, and, and I'm sure the employees, as other people may entertain working at your locations uh, one day, that's one story they're going to be able to tell and, and have a lot of heartfelt uh, experience behind it. So, pretty awesome. Uh, last one is operational excellence. You you kind of tied in the last uh, part of our interview here, but what's maybe a few words that you could say that that make you guys you know that value proposition of how you do uh, operational excellence? Yeah, I I think. Um, for me, I mean, I think is you know thinking about it from an owner perspective, it's you know again you know COVID has kind of you know forced everybody I think in these types of businesses to step back and look at the look at the cost piece really really hard. Um, and I think you know one of the things we've we've definitely you know done and seen coming out of out of COVID is you know the you know, from a PNL perspective. Um, you know, it's actually been a, a pretty decent two, three months because we really squeezed down, you know, squeezed down costs, looked at, you know, when you when you have to close somewhere, you know, you kind of, it forces you to go look at every single line item and and think about, you know, is there a better way to do that? Is there a cheaper way? Is there a, you know, a more cost-effective way? Um, you know, are we, are we running, you know, things effectively from a payroll, you know, percentage perspective? You know, are we, do we, can we, can we do away with a, with somebody on the front desk at quieter times and have, you know, kind of an AI system that's, you know, answering the phone and texting customers and, and things. Um, so I think, you know, for me in those businesses, once they're, yes, you've, you've got the delivery of the customer service and the, you know, the product and the customer experience on the one hand and making sure that's, you know, at the top level. But at the same time, you're also looking and saying, okay, how do I how do I nail down the cost to, you know, to kind of, you know, squeeze both ends of the the equation from a PL perspective. Um, so I think that's that's how I think about operational um, excellence in those types of businesses because they're not, you know, they're not super high margin businesses. So you need to, you know, you need to optimize them. Um, and then I think on the franchise consulting side, it's back to that. You know, I, I'm at the stage where I can see probably, you know, three, four months down the line of looking for the first kind of hire in that business. So if the pipeline keeps building as it is, because, you know, there's only, I, I don't want to spend more than a certain amount of time working on it. And I, you know, but there's, I can see, you know, I'm starting to think about where do I, you know, where do I add somebody that can, you know, can pick up some parts of the, uh, the process. So I, too early to kind of really answer that, I think. So there's some scalability as, as well to that. So I think so. Yeah. Interesting. Well, you know, I mean, you're, you're building within the brand there too, entrepreneur style and 
you know, and then adding more value as you go on. So awesome, Jeremy. Hey, look, uh, super appreciative. Uh, I know offline we had a little bit of a timing issue and, and uh, I appreciate uh, you being uh, flexible and that's, you know, uh, the difference, right? Uh, you know, sometimes in corporate, we, we got to be super rigid and all that type of stuff. But, um, you know, you've been excellent, man. Just the value that you just brought today, super appreciative. I think the Go for CEO community, I uh, hope they engage. And, and remember, everybody, you know, leave a comment here. I know Jeremy uh, will be looking at the channel. Uh, we'll be able to comment on it. And if you're in the South Carolina area, you want to reach out to him. Jeremy, can you share a little bit like the websites, the phone numbers that you like the best? Is it LinkedIn? How, how do you like to interact with yep. people that are reaching I would out? Say, yeah, I would say find me on LinkedIn. Um, it's just, I think I'm the only Jeremy Wallington on uh, on LinkedIn, um, and then cool. our you know our, our franchise website is yourfranchiseiswaiting.com, uh, and then obviously if you're in if you're in Charleston and you need a wax or you need a blow dry, um, you you know where to find us: waxing the city and blow blow dry bar. Awesome, awesome, brother. Well, hey, uh, you know, at the Go for CEO community, what we want to do is really build a, a, a following, a, a tribe behind the interviews that we have. So in six to 12 months, we'd love to reconnect with you, you know, share with the audience kind of what's going on in 2021. We'll probably be in that August range or so. Uh, we'll book you again and, and really start to tell people like, hey, here's here's the next steps. Here's what's going on. Here's the franchise. Stuff. So uh, super appreciative. Very, very thankful uh, for having you on. Any last words that you'd like to share? No, I think this is great, John. I appreciate your time. Uh, and I think I would just say if anybody's interested in exploring franchise ownership, reach out to me, or even if you're just interested in understanding more, take a look at my LinkedIn profile. I published a, a couple of articles about, about the journey that I had. Um, so you might enjoy reading those, but uh, John, thank you. Appreciate the time. Awesome. Thank you, Jeremy. And uh, we look forward right. to seeing you in about six to 12 months. All right. Sounds good. Thank you.